today we wrap up our sermon series, SCMD. Next week we start a new sermon series called The Lost Art of Gratitude as we enter into Thanksgiving and excited to start that sermon series uh, next week. But today I'm super excited uh, to wrap up our series and um, I really do believe that the topic that we're talking about today, uh, it has the ability to change the trajectory of people's lives in a significant way. And not just in the sense of one person's life, but the ability to actually change our legacy when it comes to our kids and our grandchildren and our great-grandchildren. And if we're willing to wrestle with the scriptures today, if we're willing to go to work and actually look at the model that Jesus gave us and his church, and we're willing to actually lean in and step into it, we could see that trajectory change not only in our lives, but in the lives around us. So you guys ready to go to work this morning? I know you guys are because you guys were worshiping like it this morning and I love it. So open up your Bibles if you've got them. We're just going to jump right into John chapter 15. And this is a little bit of a reminder of what we've talked about as we've gone through this journey of understanding the values that drive Jesus' church, drive his mission, is we have to remember that it's a relational mission. And Jesus talked about this with his disciples when he said this to them in John 15, greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you, what's he say? I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything I have learned from my father, I've made known to you. And so we have to remember that Jesus' disciples, it just wasn't a teacher-student relationship, which is kind of how we see the scriptures a lot of times. Teacher-student, no, it was a relational um, connection where Jesus said, you are my friends. The closest people that were to Jesus were his disciples. And out of the disciples, it was Peter, James, John, who were his best friends. And John says, plainly, he's like, Jesus loved me the most out of everybody, right? And so John was the closest, and he uh, did and saw things that not the rest of the disciples actually got to see. And so it's relationship. But as Jesus leaves his disciples, he gives them this command. He gives them this mission. Matthew 28, if you've been in the church, you know this. You've heard it a hundred times. Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. We have to be reminded of this over and over and over again. We need to hear the gospel over and over and over again. If you are a believer this morning, you are saved by grace, through faith, not by works that you've done, but by the grace and the gift of Jesus. We have to be reminded of that. We also have to be reminded of why we're here. Now that we've received that grace and received that salvation, why are we here? We're here to make disciples. And the movement that Jesus calls us into is a movement of people who do real relationship together, real relationship, and are on mission together. We have to have both those together. Because as soon as we as the church think that it's just about relationship, we become ingrown. We become ingrown. And we forget that we're actually called to reach the outsider and we're called to help them grow and reach them with the gospel and raise up to maturity and be sent out and be a disciple who makes disciples. It is those two things that Jesus founded his movement, his mission, everything that he was about was about that. So the big question that has to be asked is, what did it look like after Jesus left? What did it look like after Jesus le left? Did the movement continue on? 
Did, did the disciples continue to make disciples the way that Jesus did it in relationship, living life together, making disciples on mission together? Did that play out? And what did it look like? Today, I want to look at this really, really um, important relationship, a relationship where the things that Jesus valued get multiplied and passed on from relationship to relationship, from generation to generation. Uh, it's obvious that Jesus didn't do ministry alone. He did it with his disciples. Did his disciples who made disciples, did they do it that way? And today we're going to look at a really important relationship. It's actually found in Philippians chapter 2. In Philippians chapter 2, Paul is writing to the church in Philippi. And he's writing to them. This is years later as Jesus' church has moved on. It's moving not only into Jerusalem, but in Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, just like he said that it would in Acts uh, chapter 1 and 2. And I want you to listen to what Paul has to say about a specific person. He says this, I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon that I also may be cheered when I receive news about you. I have, I want you to catch this. Paul talking about Timothy. I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. I want you to notice that I have no one else like him. This is Paul talking about Timothy. Paul talking about Timothy. Do you have someone in your life that is like that? Where you can say, I have no one like him, no one like her. Verse 21, for everyone looks out for their own interests, not those of Jesus Christ. But you know Timothy. You know Timothy. Church of Philippi, you, you've watched Timothy. You've heard about Timothy. Has proved himself because as a son with his father, he has served with me in the work of the gospel. I hope, therefore, to send him as soon as I see how things go with me. This relationship between Paul and Timothy, it's a father and son relationship. It's like a father-son relationship, a spiritual father and son relationship. Why is this important? This is important for Timothy. It's important for all of us, but let me just kind of peel the layers back when it comes to Timothy. If you don't know Timothy's story, Timothy's story is this, is he's a mumser. Everybody say, everybody say mumser this morning. What does that mean? To put it in, in PG in church, it's illegitimate child. He's an illegitimate child. In the Jewish faith, when you're an illegitimate child, you are cast out from the Jewish community. His mom and his grandma, it says in the text, were, were women of faith. His dad is nowhere to be seen. His dad is gone. And so growing up, uh, Timothy probably wanted to go to synagogue. He wanted to go to the temple. Guess what? He wasn't allowed to. He was cast out. Oh, Timothy. Mumser. He was laughed at, talked about, cast aside and so when Paul says to Timothy that he is like my son what Paul is saying is I'm his father 
I'm the one that's walking beside him. I'm the one that has called him my own. And we see in Acts chapter 16, when Paul is going through his missionary journey, he gets to know Timothy's family and he gets to know Timothy. And it says in Acts chapter 16 that as he's spending time with Timothy, he decides that I want to bring Timothy along with me on the missionary journey. That I see potential in this young man. That this young man loves Jesus, wants to follow Jesus, and chooses to bring Timothy along. And not only does he choose to bring Timothy along, he actually circumcised Timothy. Why? As a mark to the community that this man loves God and is qualified for ministry. And I'm going to bring him along, and I'm going to invest in him, I'm going to pour into him, and I'm going to set him apart for for Jesus' purposes. You see, Timothy was in need of a spiritual father. And the reality is all of us are in need of a spiritual father. Every single one of us. Someone who's gonna walk beside us, who's gonna invest in us, that's that's gonna love us, that's gonna show us the way that Jesus calls us to. You see, Paul speaks truth in life over Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter one, as they depart, uh, Paul's reminding Timothy of their relationship and he says this, I remember your tears as we parted. And I'll be filled with joy when we are together again. What are the tears? It's this relationship where Paul's leaving and Timothy's being left behind. And the reality is we don't know, Paul doesn't know whether as he's leaving, whether he's gonna be alive in the future. This is the type of bond and relationship that they had. And and Paul says that later on in in 2 Timothy, he talks about this idea of, of, of Timothy. I want you to remember that the flame of the gift of God, which has been given to you by the laying of the hands, Paul laid hands on Timothy, spoke blessing over Timothy, and blessed him and set him out for ministry. Have you ever had a man or a woman in your, that's close to you that has laid hands on you? That's spoken blessing over you? I want to tell you, when you have that type of relationship, it changes your heart, it changes your life. Every single time uh, we have a birthday party in the Jordan household, I had a a spiritual father that invested in me and spoke blessing over me, showed me how to bless people in a significant way. And so every single birthday that we have at the Jordan household, uh, there's a couple things that we do. Yes, we do the pizza. Yes, we do the cake. We do the ice cream. We do all that. We do the presents. But before we get to all of that, we gather everybody together. We sit in our living room. And whoever's birthday it is, we bring them up, have them sit in a chair in front of the living room, And everybody gets to speak over them what they see in them. What they see in them. What God is doing in them. And even for kids that don't know who Jesus is, they come and they speak over them, even though they may not understand the spiritual connection. And at the very end, mom and dad get to have the last word. And we look into their eyes, we put our hands on their shoulders, and we speak into them what we see Jesus doing in them and how they are growing up in him. And I want to tell you, every single time we do that, our kids, it's an emotional time. Why? Because we're meant, we're called, we're designed to have real relationship where people speak blessing, lay hands on us, pray over us on a regular basis. Do you have that person? Who is that person in your life? This is the movement that Jesus started and is continuing on from Paul to Timothy. It's the movement of the church. And when we live this type of way, it changes our hearts, it changes our minds, it changes our lives. 
I have no one else like him, Paul says about Timothy. He goes on to say, for he longs for all of you, verse 26. Oh, wait, let me back up. Let me back up. Totally missed this part. This is a really important part, okay? What is a spiritual father? What is a spiritual mother? What does this look like? What does this relationship look like? This is what it looks like. They are people that see the potential in people and calls them into ministry. Paul did this to Timothy. He brought him along and said, I want to bring this guy on a missionary journey. I see the potential in him. I'm going to invest in him. I'm going to love on him. The second thing is this. Walks beside them and prepares them for ministry. This was a journey of walking with Timothy, getting him prepared that one day he would be leading the church in Ephesus, that he would be an elder there. He's preparing him for that. He lays hands on them, speaks blessing over them, reveals and cultivates the gifts that Jesus blessed them with, releases them in the ministry, and then reminds them of the call in the midst of difficulty. Do we, if you know your Bibles, you know that there's something that Timothy struggled with. What did he struggle with? Does anybody remember? He struggled with what? Anybody know? Oh yeah, that was definitely one of them, for sure. Remember what he said? Hey, Timothy, make sure you have a little bit of wine. But what was maybe potentially his stomach issues? The reality is he was timid, anxious, and told him, don't give in to fear. And so as he's walking beside Timothy, he's helping them, hey, these things that you're wrestling with, don't live in fear, because fear doesn't come from God, amen? He's reminding him, don't allow fear to take over, Timothy. Don't be timid. Step into the calling that God has called you for. And if you need to have a little bit of wine to settle your stomach, do that. But not too much, right? Not too much. Just a little bit. This is what a spiritual father, this is what a spiritual mother does. And so here's my question. Who is someone that you are called to pour into like Paul did to Timothy? Who is your Timothy? Who is someone that's younger in the faith that you are pouring into because if you're a Christian, you're called to the mission of making disciples. And if you're called into the mission of making disciples, there needs to be a Timothy in your life that you're pouring into. Who is someone that is younger in the faith? And let me ask you this question. If you are someone here this morning that claims to be a follower of Jesus, who is a Paul that's in your life? Who is your spiritual father? Who is your spiritual mother that is pouring into you, investing in you, loving you? This is what is normal in the scripture. This is what is normal in the church. And far too often in America, this isn't even talked about ever. This is what's normal in the New Testament church. The model of making disciples, not doing life alone, doing it together. The church is a team sport. They were supposed to be committed in a real relationship and we're called to be on mission together. So who is your Paul? Who is your Timothy? I know for me, Bill Krause was this for me. As I was going to Boise Bible College, my mom and dad had split up. My home life was a mess. On top of that, me and my brother are living together, but taking all of our rage and our anger about the situation out on each other, it was a mess. And there had to be someone that was going to enter into my life, see the potential in me, invest in me, and show me what it means to be a Christian, eventually Christian husband and father. And it was Bill Krause that did that for me. You see, Bill Krause just didn't teach me in the classroom and then send me home. He invited me into his living room. He invited me over for dinner, and I got to see a model family of what it means to follow Jesus together. I want to tell you 
the way I love my, my wife, date night. You know where I learned date night from? Bill Krause. Remember what I, what I learned in regards to parenting my children? I learned it from Bill Krause. And the reason why I did is because when I saw him get his kids ready for bed at 8 p.m. and then send them to bed and they didn't get out of bed after 8 p.m., I was like, I want kids like that when I have kids eventually. I started asking him, I've never seen that before. How in the world do your kids obey? He's like, well, we're flawed, but this is what we're trying to do. Bill Krause changed the trajectory of my life because he was my spiritual father. And he invested me. He saw potential in me. He called me to ministry. And to this day, he reminds me of my calling over and over and over again. But in the words of the OxyClean guy, I don't remember his name. Guess what? There's more. What is that? More? Look at verse 24. Finally, we're there. He says, I am confident in the Lord that myself will come soon. So Paul's talking about Timothy, but then he transitions. He says, but I think it is necessary to send back to you Epaphroditus. Everybody say Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus, my brother. So earlier he was talking about Timothy, and what did he refer to Timothy as his son? And now Epaphroditus is his brother, co-worker, fellow soldier who is your messenger, whom you sent to take care of my needs. This is a brotherly, sisterly relationship. People that are your peers, that you're in the trenches with, that you're walking with Jesus with, on mission together with Jesus. Who is your brothers? Who is your sisters? You can make a case that it's true that all of us are brothers and sisters together in Christ. Amen? Here's the thing. Are you really brothers and sisters? I mean, yes, scripturally, but relationally. Who are your brothers and your sisters? Who are the people that are in the trenches with you? That are your peers. He goes, for he longs for all of you, Epaphroditus, and is distressed because you heard he was ill. Indeed, he was ill and almost died, but God had mercy on him. And not on him only, but also on me to spare me sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I am all the more eager to send him. So when you see him again, you may be glad and I may have less anxiety. So then, welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honor people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the help you yourselves could not give me. So what do spiritual brothers and sisters do? People in your life that are your coworkers, your peers, they help meet needs of the people that they're in life with. They empathize with those that are struggling. Paul did that when it comes to Epaphroditus. They sacrifice with each other for the sake of the mission, and they are a living model of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Who are your brothers and your sisters? Well, the whole church is my brothers and sisters. Yes. But if you couldn't get a hold of your spiritual father, who would be the spiritual brother you would call when life hits, when it hits the fan, who are you calling? Do you have that? I just want to ask you, look at this graphic. This is what we are called to. To make disciples who make disciples, to become a disciple maker, it requires you to have people all around you, spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers, brothers and sisters. And this morning, you've got your sermon notes. And I want you right now, if you've got your sermon notes, start filling in the lines. Maybe you've only got one. That's okay. But if you're looking at your notes right now and you don't have anybody that comes to mind, there's a next step that is required that Jesus is asking of you this morning. You've got to get connected. 
You've got to get connected in a real relationship. You've got to find your brothers and your sisters. You've got to find your spiritual fathers and your spiritual mothers. You've got to find the Timothy and the Titus, those that are younger in the faith, that God is calling on you to walk beside them. You might be saying this morning, well, I can't walk beside anybody. I've got more to learn. Let me just ask you this question. With whatever Jesus has provided and given you up into this moment, can you teach somebody else? Can you teach somebody else? Whatever Jesus has done in your life up into this moment, whatever he has gifted you, whatever he has taught you, whatever has been modeled to you, can you walk beside somebody else? Absolutely. Absolutely. And for Christian husbands and, 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 and wives, moms, fathers, and, and moms, like you, your first priority is home. First priority is home. Because you've got children at home. You've been called to be a, a father and a mother. But you're called to look beyond just your home. You're called to look at the church and ask the question, who are the spiritual infants and children that need a disciple maker in their life? Who are those people? And how are you walking beside them? You're called to be a disciple who makes disciples. You're called to have a spiritual son, daughter in the faith that you're walking beside. You're called to, to be a spiritual father, mother. You're called to have brothers and sisters that join arm in arm together. Who are those people in your life? You might be saying right now, well, I tried it, it didn't work. Because that happens. You dive into relationships, you dive into home group, and it didn't work, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't connect. I just want to ask you this question. Ever had a bad meal? Did you quit eating? <laughs> Ever had a bad haircut? Did you quit having your haircut? Ever had a bad gym partner? I have. Try to get a spot over there talking, doing something else. Help, right? Did you quit going to the gym? Those of you guys like to hunt and fish. Ever had a bad hunting partner? Did you quit go hunt, going hunting? No, you didn't. Keep trying. Keep leaning in. So we live in a flawed, broken world, and the church is flawed. It is not perfect. But Paul, Timothy, Titus, Epaphroditus, they kept leaning into the call that God had given us to go and make disciples, and the same is true for us. Keep leaning in. Keep connecting. Uh, this last week was a very heavy pastoral week for myself and for our church. And in the midst of all of those things, uh, there's home group, there's men's group, there's all sorts of different things that, that need to continue to move forward, continue to take place. But I found myself on Tuesday night, if you don't know, I lead a men's group on Wednesday morning. And as I'm leading men's group on Wednesday, uh, getting ready to lead men's group on Wednesday morning, it, it dawns on me like, it's actually best for me just to stay home with my family on Wednesday morning. And so at 1045 at night on Tuesday night, I've got three guys that I know of that will jump in and lead men's group when I can't be there. So I'm texting them at 1045 at night, 1030 at night. Eventually close to 11 o'clock, they don't respond back because what are they doing? Sleeping, which is what they should be doing. So 11 o'clock at night, I text the whole group, say, guys, 
Groups canceled for tomorrow morning. Some things I need to take care of. We'll pick up group following week. I want to be honest with you. Like, I was discouraged that I had to do that. Because all the guys, they need men's group on Wednesday morning. There's three of them that have said, in group, I need this. I can't go without men's group on Wednesday morning at 6 a.m. And my heart was hurting for those guys, but I had to cancel group. I was worried about them. And here's what I love about what Jesus does. In the midst of my discouragement, in the midst of my worrying about them, two out of those three, and in addition, another person texts me the next day and said, brother, you ever need someone to fill in for you? I got you. I've got the group. Why is that a big deal? Whether they're up for it or not, whether they realize it or not, when you raise your hand and say, I'm willing to fill in, and they might be, they might be right now as I'm about ready to explain this, they go, oh, I'm not signing up for that, but this is what they're signing up for. They are learning to become a spiritual father and a spiritual brother to other people, amen? When you raise your hand and you say, I, I can stand in the gap, you're becoming a brother. You're becoming a father. You're becoming a mother. You're becoming a sister to other people that need real relationship and need to be on mission with Jesus. And so the 13 guys that are showing up on Wednesday morning, six of them have said, I'm here. I've got your back. They've got each other's backs. And so there's going to come a day, and I don't have the timeline, all six of them one of these days are going to be leading a men's group on their own why because Jesus' mission is about a group of people doing real life together and are doing it on mission together because what they've been blessed with they are called to bless others with to make disciples who make disciples and that's who we are and that's what we'll be about until Jesus comes back so who are those people in your life? Who are your brothers and your sisters that are in the trenches with you? Who are your fathers and your mothers that are pouring into you? Who are your sons and your daughters that you are called to pour into? As we wrap up this morning, I just want you to think about those things. Who are they? If you don't have them, it's time to get in the game. It's time to get connected. A church service is an amazing opportunity to praise Jesus, to learn about his word. What we're talking about, it can't be done on Sunday morning. It's not designed that way. They had synagogue, they had the temple, they did this. They also went in life together all week long. That's what we're called to. That's what we're gonna do. That's what we're gonna be about. So we get ready for communion this morning. I wanna invite you just pray about these next steps would you pray for the courage to get connected and learn to make disciples if you if you came this morning thank you for reminding me if you came this morning and you didn't grab communion you want to take communion just raise your hand zach and liz love to serve you and make sure you have the elements this morning keep those hands raised they won't forget about you
Pray for the courage to get connected and learn to make disciples. Pray for the courage to ask someone to be your spiritual parent. That's gonna take vulnerability and transparency. I don't have a spiritual father or mother. It's gonna take a risk. If you see someone that you think they could be that for you, go talk to them. And guess what? They may come to you and go, I'm not qualified. I'm not ready for that. And that's okay. Still ask. Because their insecurity, God's gonna have to deal with. And if someone comes to you and asks you, will you be my spiritual father, mother? And they go, and you go, I, I'm not qualified to do this. No, you are qualified because they see that in you. So step into it because they need you. Jesus needs you. Pray for the courage to look at someone and let them know you are my spiritual brother and sister. If you've, if, if, if you've got that person, go tell them, you're my brother. You're my sister and I am with you, arm in arm. You need anything, I'm here. Go talk to him. When we live this way, you guys, it changes the world. I'm here today because of the fathers and mothers that invested in me. The brothers and sisters that invested in me. And if my life, my family can be changed, yours can too. Don't do life alone, guys. Jesus is with you. And his church is with you. Though it may be flawed at times. Jesus says, I will build it. I will build my church. And it will not. The gates of hell will not prevail. As you bow your head this morning, have a conversation with Jesus about what he's inviting into you, inviting you into this morning. Let's pray.